This is an SM Media production. Things are gonna get better real soon. Yeah, I'ma just do me, you just do you. I swear it's gonna get better real soon. Don't let anyone tell you what you should do. I got a clear view. We're gonna make it soon. Just keep pushing through. Hi everyone and welcome to the latest episode of The Sit Down right here in SM Media. I'm Scott McBite, delighted to be your host as always. A very special guest in this week's episode. I'm absolutely honoured to welcome the former Scotland manager, Craig Brown. Craig, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Thanks very much for joining me. Well, thanks, Scott. I'm, I'm actually honoured to be on your show and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Thanks very much. How are you? How's everything been since? Well, I had a wee health scare a few months ago, and, uh, but I've recovered. So I had an aneurysm. AAA, they call it. <laughs> the abdominal aortic aneurysm. Right. Quite a fancy name, but I'm very lucky that uh, the Aberdeen Royal Infirmary looked after me exceptionally well. Brilliant. And uh, I'm now, I've got clearance now. I said to the surgeon, you like this? I said, can I play golf? He said, well, I think you should do putting. <laughs> 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 then he said, once you've been putting, try a few short iron shots. And I said, what about my driver? Your body will tell you. So my body's told me I can now use the driver. So not very well, but I'm trying it. Brilliant. It's been a very, very busy season in the Scot- in Scottish football. What's been your kind of thoughts of the season so far? Well, it's a frustrating season for me, uh, you know, because I'm the club ambassador at Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I was a director until the new uh, owners came in. Right. And Dave Cormack took over at Aberdeen and he got rid of four of us from the board. Right. And they brought in men with real money <laughs> two American two Americans so four of us stepped down they asked me to stay I said what do you want me to do and they said I'd like to stay as the club ambassador and I therefore I'm at every Aberdeen game home and away and uh, I represent the club at various things when we, if we need someone to go to a funeral I go and represent the club and things like that and you know I, I phone I'm on the phone a lot to elderly or distant uh, supporters. Yeah. So yeah. then I visit the hospital to see supporters. So, you know, I've not got anything to do with the team any longer. Uh, and of course, a new manager coming in, I don't know who he'll be, but it's uh, a disappointment when I, whenever there's a change of manager. Yeah, definitely. What was your thoughts when you heard the news about Derek McInnes leaving last night? Was that a, was that a shock? It was a shock. Well, well, I wouldn't say it was too big of a surprise, too big a surprise because, you know, there was a bit of criticism of him. Yeah. But, you know, I thought he'd done well. Uh, but, uh, you know, the ambition is great up there. I know that. <laughs> you know, because I, I went and, uh, you know, when I went, they were bottom of the league, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we had to save them. Uh, but uh, Derek uh, has more than saved them. He's kept them in a very comfortable position. Yeah. Brilliant. But there's an ambition there that... Yeah. Uh, no, it's not just the board that's got them, it's the fans have a great ambition and yeah. Alec Ferguson spoiled them. Aye, definitely. <laughs> definitely. We'll touch a bit on your, your early your early playing career as well. What was your what were your kind of first experiences with football? Who were your heroes growing up when you were starting out in football? Well, my, my early experiences were I, I was brought up in Hamilton mm-hmm. and I was a Hamilton Lackey supporter and there's a right, boy okay. there at the old Douglas Park where Hamilton played and yeah. uh, uh, my father was into sport and football, football in the winter and golf in the summer. And uh, therefore, you know, he encouraged me. And there was a bit of waste ground at the side of the house. So I was out there and my pals, we played every night. And I, I was a good schoolboy player. Mm-hmm. 
think it was all downhill after that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I played for the Lanarkshire Schoolboys. I was at school at Hamilton, and I played for the Lanarkshire Schoolboys and the Scottish Schoolboys. And, you know, I think my claim to fame in football is I played with the two men in Scotland who have held the European Cup aloft. One is a player and one is a manager. Right, OK. And the first ever European Championships, Celtic. And Billy McNeil was the captain. Now, I played in the Lanarkshire schools and the Scottish schools team with Billy. And then the next year, the man that won it as a manager, Alec Ferguson. Yeah. Alec was in the team. And it's a strange thing. Well, it's not really so strange that, you know, when you play with a guy and you maybe travel and you're in a hotel and you maybe share a room, you're, you retain that friendship the rest yeah. of your life. So I retained a friendship until Billy passed away, sadly, mm-hmm. with Billy. And I'm, I'm not name dropping, I'm trying not to anyway. That I retained a friendship with the Sir Alec. I'm going to remember the problem. Sir Alec now. Yeah. <laughs> Simply because we played in the same team team as boys together. Yeah. And uh, so I've always been uh, friendly with uh, Sir Alec. Brilliant. You, you, you didn't get your big kind of dream dream move to Rangers and what was it like getting in there at a young age? Well, it wasn't a dream move to me. Right, okay. My father didn't like Rangers. I didn't like Rangers. Okay. I had a lot of offers as a boy. As I said, as I said to you, I'm, I'm not trying to be immodest, but I was a good boy player. Yeah. <laughs> I was never a good enough senior player, but I was a good boy player and everybody wanted to sign me. Yeah. The headline in the paper was Rangers sign boy they all wanted. Now, I'll be honest and admit it, I went to Rangers for money. Right, okay. They gave me a, a huge amount of money to go because I was, in those days, I was a kind of boy wonder, you know, and I was doing well. And uh, I signed for Rangers, Scott Simon was the manager. Mm-hmm. And that was 1957-8 season. I gave my age away. I was <laughs> 17 and I signed for Rangers. And uh, I was never, well, what they did was in those days, they put you out junior. Yeah. I, I was a provisional signing and they put me to play in Wishaw and Colt Ness United. Uh, that was the team that Tommy Gemmell was. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, the fashion in those days was the route to the team was you play junior, then you play in the reserves for a year, and if you're any good, you get in the first team. Mm-hmm. So I was a year junior and I was a good junior player. I was picked in the Scottish uh, Junior International squad when I was only 18, which was good. Uh, but, uh, uh, and I was in the last eight, uh, one of the papers had a Junior Player of the Year award. Now, the one, the boy that won it played for Irvin Meadow. And he was right, okay. Bobby Carroll. You're, you're far too young to remember. <laughs> but he, Bobby signed for Celtic. Mm-hmm. I signed for Ranger. So I was a good, I was a good uh, junior player. And I'm a great fan of junior football. Yeah. I, always, I always say that when Celtic Lisbon Lions won the European Cup, 10 of the 11 played junior football. Uh-huh. And if you, if you look at that, only one in that team, it was Jim Craig. He was, his way was Glasgow University and then to Celtic. Right, okay. But the rest of every, they all they played, played junior. junior. Kennedy, Gleish, Cumberland, Juniors. And the one that always, I always refer to is Stevie Chalmers, who scored the, the winning goal. He was a junior player for Ashfield mm-hmm. when he was 23 in Celtic Sign. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, and Bobby Lennox from down Ayrshire. Yeah. He played for the uh, mm-hmm. uh, So, 
that was the way to, to go. You, anyway, I'll take a long-winded story to tell you that I went to Rangers as a boy, and you like this, one of the senior players, uh, after three or four days, I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was a very uh, imposing dressing room. It's still the same dressing room. The, peg, the, the pegs are so high. Yeah. I think you make you feel small. <laughs> you stand, you see, I just stand on the, on the, the bench to put my clothes up and they put you alphabetically. Right, okay. It was, uh, it was Baird, Sammy Baird, Baxter, Jim Baxter, Brown and Caldo. Brown. Now, there was four star, well, four players there in the alphabet, the top of the alphabet and the three of them were stars, particularly two yeah. You know, Caldo was a, a he was a captain he was a Scotland international and uh, Sammy Baird was a very good player and Baxter was the hero Yeah. So, and I was stuck in among them and I was so nervous and after uh, after three or four days training one of the players I better not name him uh, he came to me and says come here son did you win a competition to train with age? <laughs> so I don't think he thought it was very good I think he was right. And Johnny Hubbard was there. Right, yeah. Johnny's a nice guy. And Johnny heard him. And Johnny says, Brownie, leave him to me. Leave him to me. <laughs> and, and actually, I, I can tell you who it was. It was Sammy Beard. Big Sammy was a... And I played the same position as Sammy. Right. So he didn't know that I wasn't good enough. <laughs> he thought I might have been. So he's putting me down. So we, Johnny, says, leave that big bat Sammy to me. And I said, OK, Johnny. So he says, come to the game on Saturday, the first game. And they were playing, I remember, Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. And, were, and it was a communal bath in those days. Showers now. Yeah. The whole team in the bath, no substitutes. Only 11 players played. And I'm uh, not playing, of course, but I'm in the dressing room. And Johnny's in the bath. And he waves me through. And he winks at me and he says, Sammy. And the big man looks at him and he says, Sammy, there was 62,823 here today. <laughs> and big Sammy says, wait a minute, how do you know? How do you know? The game's just finished. You're telling me the crowd. And we, Johnny, says, he's winking at me. He says, Sammy, I was counting them, waiting on a pass from you. <laughs> he agreed. <yes. laughs> and he, he tried to put Sammy down. And afterwards, he says, how did you like that, Brownie? I says, no, that was good. <laughs> Johnny. And Hubby was always very good to the young Yeah, it was a pound, yeah, pound. And most of, the, most of the players were good. For the young boys, you know, Caldo and Shearer was the captain, and then in it was John Gregg was a young boy with me. Yeah, he's ages with me, and John and I. So it was a very powerful team at the time, and mm-hmm. you know, I've got team photographs. There's three trophies at the front of, you know, I was there only two and a half years, and mm-hmm. I never got a game in the team. Well, mm-hmm. I was not good enough, and I went on loan to Dundee. Yeah, and that was a good move because the manager was Bob Shankly. Yeah. And uh, he had tried to sign me for Third Lanark when he was a Third Lanark manager. Okay. And he remembered me. And I w- he saw I wasn't getting a game for Rangers. And uh, the last thing I want to say about Rangers is this, that, you know, I, I, I wasn't, I, I admit I wasn't good enough, but I got an injury there. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a qualified physiotherapist. Right, okay. <laughs> Glasgow Rangers. And I had a knee injury. And when I went to Dundee, the, the physio and the doctor looked at me, how long have you had that? I said, oh, I've got 18 months. What? And that was negligence. Now, that knee, um, that's my excuse for not being a good player. <laughs> the knee, I've now got a replacement knee. You know, right. to get, eventually I had five operations when I was playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, 
I was never going to be Billy Bremner or Jim Baxter, mm-hmm. but I would have been less bad yeah. if I hadn't had a bad knee. And you mentioned you mentioned Bob Shankly. Just how good was he for you in your, your development when you went to Dundee? Well, he was the man that looked after me. And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, we, we all, all the players, you know, he's like his brother, Bill. At yeah. And Bob was the older brother. And Bob had won the championship with Dundee in Scotland. And he also got Dundee to the semi-final of the European Cup. Mm-hmm. And Dundee, yeah. it's hard to believe. And we beat the German champions, the Portuguese champions, and the Belgian champions. And we were only beaten in the semi-final by AC Milan. Mm-hmm. So, and that was three years before Celtic won it. Yeah. So, so you know, Shankly was a marvellous manager. Mm-hmm. Great football guy. And we all, all the players respected him. You know, he, he, had, he had the Ayrshire. He had the good Ayrshire. He never called me Craig. Ever. He always called me Chris Craig. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Craig. And even if I had the occasional good game, I Chris Craig. That wasn't a bad today, <laughs> But the, I'll, I'll, the lovely one I'll tell you quickly about Shankly. He was, an, he was a stickler for for a smart turnout and discipline, right. timekeeping. And we all had to, to take the laces out of our boots after the game. And the laces went into the wash. There were white laces in those days, black boots, white. And the, the laces were washed. And you, you take the studs out of your boots. You'd unscrew them. And when you polished your own boots, you'd polish the sole of the boot. You know, it was really? Funny. It was, but when he was doing the team photo, he was he was so particular. I mean, mm-hmm. put the good players in the middle of the photo. Right. You know, the international players. He would, he would have the, you know, the Alec Hamilton, Alan Gilzean, Ian Muir. They were the good boys. They were in the middle. And I'm standing at the side with my pal Dougie Houston. I'm saying, are we going to get in this photo? <laughs> <laughs> and then he would say, Christ Craig, he would point at the seat at the end of the front row. He would put your arse down there, son. <laughs> and he would say, a pair of scissors will get rid of you. <laughs> They took the photo. They took the photograph at the start of the season in August, July or August, and it was a calendar. And yeah. of course, if you weren't too good a player, too hot, or if you thought, if you thought he might get ready before Christmas, you put you at the end of the row with a pair of scissors ready. So I, I didn't get rid of me. He kept he kept me nearly six years, but but it, the boys used to laugh the way Shankly spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I could I could do a whole podcast about Shankly but uh, you know the, the press would phone him and say what's your team, what's your team Mr Shankly they say Urgetta hasn't he picked it yet <laughs> <laughs> or, or he would say the same as the Courier which was the local paper brilliant anyway, so. one thing I want to mention that will bring back memories was a, a music group called Hammy and the Hamsters how did that yeah. come about what was that well like? I wish I had the tape for you it came about because <laughs> You know, nowadays what happens is, and you see the, a lot of publicity because Celtic, unfortunately, were, were, were criticised. They went to Dubai. Yeah. Nowadays, when, when there's a bad weather, a winter break, they go to you know, La Manga or mm-hmm. Dubai or some of these warm places. Yeah. Indeed, had a lot of money because they were doing, they were very successful and they had sold players for money. So they were, and where did we go? When we had a winter break, it was just for the week, of course. Where did we go? Creef Hydro <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Fisher's Hotel in Pitlochry. And that was, and you would you would arrive for training on Monday morning and they would just, they would, you see a bus out there, what's happening here? And when you went in, Shankly, Shankly's secretary would say, phone the missus, phone the digs, phone back and tell them you're away for the week. 
that was the warning we got. And and so where did we go? We went, we went to Pitlochry. <laughs> Instead of, it wasn't in uh, Dubai or anything like that. We went to Pitlochry and we were in the hotel there. And of course it was dull and the television was blackened. It was yeah. really, uh, poor stuff. There was nothing doing. So at night, we weren't allowed out because you were a prisoner because the manager was strict. So to stay in, so Alec Hamilton, one of the players, good player, international player, Hammy was uh, a pianist. Right. And he was a good singer. So he would go to the piano. And the Beatles were big time at the time. Yeah. So the boys would all just spend the evening, we'd all sing the Beatles stuff. <laughs> Can't buy me long, you know. And uh, Hammy would play the piano. And there, there were old dears there recuperating. It was a kind of care home as well. Right, okay. In the hotel. And one of them, her son, was the band leader in the Continental Ballroom in Dundee. Right. And he came to visit his mother. And we were singing that night. And she said, oh, you're quite good singers. And, and well, the boy said, we're no bad. Day. And his name, I remember his name was Johnny Battersby. Right. And Johnny said, you come and sing in, in the dance hall. Well, he managed to get six of us from the, the team. Uh, Hammy was one of them. So we went to the dance hall and, and we did a, uh, and the Saturday night after a game, we went and so that started as, and they wrote two songs for us. He was a songwriter as well. Yeah. And we had a 16 piece orchestra playing. <laughs> so we, we, we would do some singing on a Saturday night or other nights when they asked us and eventually the television heard that we were doing it and Dundee the next year were in the cup final yeah. against Rangers so you can imagine we made a record and, it, and it's actually I wish I'd had it I wish I had it for you uh, I've still got the old the old uh, 45 you know the disc yeah. but it was quite popular and you wouldn't believe how I'm, I'm saying it Myself. I'm not saying much about my football ability, but I thought this the record was pretty good. <laughs> Brilliant. You went on to Falkirk after that, and you, obviously injuries kind of take their toll. Like how how far do you think you could have went as a player if injuries didn't play a part? Well, there was a time when I was playing, I dare I say it quite well. You know, mm -hmm. we played, for example, the year we won the league, we played Celtic at Celtic Park, and the, the, uh, amazingly, you know, it's only Clint to me. I was man in the match, you know, against, uh, and, and that was a lot of the Celtic team that uh, that won the European, yeah. the same team four years later. And it was Bobby Lennox's first game for Celtic. Is that right? And, and that was my, uh, and I was playing for Dundee, and Bobby always jokes with me because Shankly told me, this guy you're playing against, he knew everything, Bob Shankly, the manager. Now, nobody had heard of Bobby Lennox, RDR Recreation, in his first game for Celtic. So he's going over the team and he says, this guy you're playing against today, tossed up with a sparrow for legs, and the sparrow won. <laughs> <laughs> Which was wrong, of course, because Bobby was a stocky. Uh, he says, I want you to take him through the knee down. In other words, get the tackles in. That was Shankly's <laughs> phrase. Get him sorted out. It's his first game, he'll be nervous, son. Hit him hard. Well, I couldn't get near Lennox. He was too abusive for me, you know. And, <laughs> we, we were a goal up. And I, I, I'll never forget this. And, uh, I'm digressing here, but right in front of the jungle, the ball was in a puddle. And I was going to take the throw in, and I walked into the puddle to pick it up. And this guy, hey, you're right, useless. Because I had a Rangers connection. Yeah. Imagine the, 
the jungle and giving me, eh, yeah, useless, you're hopeless anyway. This is the worst game I've ever seen. And now, I never, ever spoke to a, a spectator. Uh. But I thought, this guy's giving me a hard time. We had one up at the time. And I, I was picking the ball up and I just lifted my head. And I said to him, you're the monk, pal. You paid to get in. Said, You'll be fucking paid next season. <laughs> he, said, he was nearly a prophet, the guy. But uh, you can't beat the crowd. I learned not to... Uh, Ever to talk back to the crowd, but yeah. that that was uh, Shankly was he had a wonderful turn of phrase, mm-hmm. and well, that was him take him from the knee down. Yeah, and then he would say, "Can you count?" Brown would say to me, uh, "Chris, Craig, can you count?" I said, "Yeah." He says, "What's one for leaving?" I say, ten. Get them to ten as quick as possible." <laughs> <laughs> See, there were no subs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I couldn't get near Lennox, but but I played well. That apart, and so I don't think I was ever going to be uh, Billy Bremner or Jim Baxter or my hero. My hero at school was a Hearts player, and uh, my dad, when Hearts came to the west of Scotland, he took me to see this one player, not to see Hearts. If you want to be a player, you've got to watch this guy. And uh, I always say to people, and you know, Dave Mackay. Yeah. And he went from Hearts down to play for uh, Derby. Derby, that's right. And uh, Nottingham and Derby. Yeah. And uh, wonderful, Davy Mackay. Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Tottenham, yeah. So, uh, I think he went to Tottenham first, but but uh, what a wonderful player he was. And I just, my, my father used to take me and he said, we're not, watching, we're not going to see Hearts, we're going to see Mackay. Watch everything he does. And that's if you watch that, you'll learn. And he was my hero as a youngster. Brilliant. You obviously, after your playing career, you went into teaching before you went into coaching. What was it? Was it always kind of the plan to do that if football didn't work out? Aye, well, no. Uh, the teaching was first. You know, right, okay. Football, football came. We, my parents were quite strict about getting educational qualifications. Yeah. So I, I thought I, I went to be a PE teacher right. because I thought it would make match the football career you know and uh, so I went to Jordan Hill and I, I was a, a PE teacher I trained now I was actually at the college when I was at Rangers and when I went to Dundee I was still a student but then you know when I got to Dundee I, I qualified but I went full-time football mm-hmm. and part-time teaching we, we trained every morning and I and I taught every afternoon in Dundee. The other boys were there on the bookies. <laughs> and there were five of us in Diggs. You know, we're all in the Diggs together, quite a group of the players, including a big boy from Ayrshire, Ian Muir. He right. was in the Diggs. Uh, Ian was from Ayr, Ayr Academy. Uh, and uh, so we had a very great social life up there. And, you know, we played snooker. We went out once a week to the cafe and... After the game on a Saturday, we would go to one of the local dance halls. There are three yeah. dance halls at that time in the day. So the social life was terrific. Uh, and we had a great... Then I went to... I was I was teaching in the afternoon. And then I went to visit the director of education. And he came to me and says, why are you teaching in the afternoon? And I said, why? I said well, the, boys, the other boys are they're losing money in the bookies. Well, they were playing snooker. <laughs> I said, and uh, I, uh, he says, 
Why? He says, I've looked at your qualifications. And you know, he, he was quite hurting, or hurtful rather. Uh, he said, uh, do you know what they call the PE teacher in the school? And I says, no, the ignorant acrobat. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be an ignorant acrobat all your life? And I said, no, not really. He says, well, why don't you spend the afternoons studying and get a, a degree uh -huh. rather than a diploma? I had a diploma in physical education. And he said, you should get a degree. And I said, he said, if you want to do it, we'll support you as long as you teach for us for three years when you get it. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay. So I didn't realise at the time, but that was at the time when the Open University just had started. Right, okay. So I went to the Open University and, and instead of, well, I did, I continued to teach, but I, I did my studying at night and in the morning. I was up at seven in the morning to do a, a, another, another half, two hours before I went to the training. So that, that's why, I, and then when I get transferred to Falkirk, I went back to live in Hamilton. Yeah. And I get married then, and I'm back to live in Hamilton, and uh, I look for a job teaching. And I taught uh, for a while in the secondary school, uh, because I had my, my subjects were English and Geography. Then I got a call from the Director of Education in Lanarkshire, who was at school with me and, and he said to me, I'll give you a tip. I said, what's that? He said, uh, if you want to progress in education, go into the primary. And I said, oh, I've not got a handbag. I'm not going to go. <laughs> I thought it was for females only. You know? yeah. said, no, no. He said, well, were your qualifications? Because when I did the PE qualification, I added on a one year for primary. Mm -hmm. So that enabled me to be a primary teacher as well. So I went, I took his advice, and very quickly I was deputy head and then head of a primary, which, you know, because of the qualifications I had. And then as a result of that, I got a job uh, uh, lecturing in uh, education at Craigie College in Ayr. Right, okay. So, you know, I had, a, I had a secondary qualification, I had a primary qualification, and therefore I was a good candidate for the job, I think. Uh, in the College of Education, which was a great job I had here. Uh, and I'm still playing for Falkirk. Mm -hmm. And then they get rid of me, they freed me. I was limping along right enough in one yeah. head, one leg. And uh, that was me finishing. I was very fortunate that I was doing the coaching courses yeah. at Barnes mm -hmm. when I was a player. And one of my uh, colleagues in the course was uh, the manager of Motherwell. Mm -hmm. And it was Willie McLean. Right, okay. And he eventually came to here, but he offered me the job assistant manager at Motherwell, which was very good. So I managed to do that. So that, that started me off. And one of the... I, I, Ian St John got the, job, the Motherwell job as well, didn't he, after that? Was that? No, Ian St John, Ian St John left and Willie got the job. Right, okay. But is, and I'll give, you, I'll give you an exclusive. Seriously. Mm -hmm. Ian St John. Right. Ian St John was the Motherwell manager. And uh, of course, I stayed in Hamilton and I watched Motherwell and Hamilton play. Mm -hmm. He was a great player for Motherwell uh, in St. John. Uh, he was the manager and he left Motherwell to go to Portsmouth. Right. Manager. And Willie got the job. Okay. And when Willie got the job, he asked me to go as his assistant. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I was quite flat, I was surprised, but he said, You can do it. You're working in the college at Air. You can do. The college doesn't start till October. Mm -hmm. No, 
So <laughs> July, August, September, the students aren't there. So you could be full time in the pre-season training and then go part time and I'll do it myself. So I was I was a part time uh, assistant manager of Motherwell and they were a full time team. They were a very good team at the time. Yeah. Wally was an outstanding manager. Uh, Wally McLean was very good. Now that was before uh, he came down to here. Yeah, he was the Motherwell manager and I was his assistant. So that's how I got to. Uh, and it's because I met Willie at Largs in the coaching course and I knew his brother Jim and I didn't know Tommy at the time. I eventually got to know Tom. Yeah. So that's what happened. Uh, and therefore, when I was released by Falkirk, freed me because I was, I did, I did all right for them. When I went to Falkirk, they were bottom of the league and uh, they made two signings. Duke Bailey, who was a journalist for the Sunday Post, Duke yeah. Bailey and I, went in there and we got them into the middle of the league. Oh, well, we, it coincided with our rival. And they were happy with us. But again, my knee was killing me by then. Another operation. And uh, they freed me. They got rid of me. So I only had, uh, in all, I only had nine years as a as a player. Yeah. A senior player. And then then obviously you, you do really well at Motherwell's assistant manager. And you, when did you first hear about the Clyde job? Well, Billy McNeil, as I said to you earlier, Billy was a pal of mine because we played in the same uh, under-18 team for Scotland. Yeah. I knew Billy well. And Billy was the Clyde manager. Right. And Billy got the Aberdeen job. Mm-hmm. So he recommended me. Right, OK. And I was assistant manager of Motherwell. And he recommended me to Clyde. So I, I was asked to go and meet the Clyde chairman, which I did. And... Uh, uh, they offered me the job. So I left. It was a more suitable job because Clyde were a part-time team. Mm-hmm. Motherwell were full-time and they were, Motherwell were doing well. You know, they were in the Texaco Cup, which meant they were away doing playing teams in England. You know, they, teams like Tottenham were in that cup. You know, yeah. It was a big tournament. There was, Motherwell weren't in Europe at the time, but they were in... in so I couldn't get off my, my work to go to the midweek uh, European games. So mm-hmm. Clyde was a very lucky and a good move for me. And what was it like? And obviously your memories of that will be winning the second division title. Just how, how good was it? How good a first job was that for you in management? Well, it was a, well, I had great experience as an assistant manager. Yeah. Because Willie McLean, the McLean family, I think, is the most knowledgeable footballing family in Scotland. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, they're brilliant in terms of football knowledge. And, and Willie was the oldest. So Willie was maybe they, they both Jim and Tommy would phone Willie for advice, and I would hear Jim uh, uh, phone Willie, and Jim got the big reputation because mm-hmm. of the United success. But yeah, he, he learned a lot from from Willie. Well, lunchtime we'd be in the office at Fair Park. Oh, it's our Jim, and he, he would talk to him about who you're playing Hearts and said, Yeah, how did you how did you play against them? Uh, what do you think we should do? Jim would be asking Willie. Yeah. And Willie would say, oh, he'd hand me the phone. He'd say, tell him what we did in training this morning, Craig, honestly. And, and I said, have you got a, a pen there, Jim? And, and I said, draw a half pitch. And I would talk him through what Willie did, or what we yeah. did there. And, and therefore, Jim, I think, I'm not, uh, I think he was a wonderful manager, Jim. And he terrific recruitment. He, he, he great eye for a player. Yeah. And therefore, he did exceptionally well. But Willie, 
was a brilliant manager too, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure Jim learned a lot from Willie. So I was, I don't know what the question you asked me. I can't. <laughs> what was your, when you went to Clyde, what was your experience well, like and how good was your yeah, first Clyde, job? I mean, Billy, Billy McNeil had been, right? And Billy had, had left a very good squad. Only 16 players. Yeah. team or anything like that. And they were in the, there was, there was a different structure there. They were in the second division. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went in and he had left a good nucleus of players. And we were top of the league at Christmas. And the chairman said to me, you've got to sell a player. We never go into debt at Clyde. Yeah. And I said, oh, we're top of the league, Mr. Chairman. He says, no. And he said, that doesn't matter. We don't, we never go into the red. So he says, they'll need to phone around, get rid of a player. I said, there's only two you want money for. Who? And I said, Joe Ward or Steve Archibald. Right. He said, I try and get rid of him. So I phoned every Premier League manager. See, I knew them all because I'd been at Mullerwell for three years as the assistant. So I phoned them around. And one that was the Air United manager, you'll not believe this. He says to me, I'll take, I'll take Archibald. How much do you want? And I says, oh, we want 25,000. And he says, oh, we can't afford that. Yeah. He says, but I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll give you Jim McSherry and right. 15,000. We value McSherry at 5,000, 10,000. <laughs> So I said, well, I liked McSherry as a player. I said, I'll do, I'll do that deal. I phoned the chairman. I said, we're getting a player and, and 15,000, Mr. Chairman. Oh, well, that'll, that'll keep us in the black to the end of the season. Yeah. Archibald went, and though what happened was uh, McSherry wouldn't come to Clyde. Right. I, I had to phone him. I said, I've arranged it. A deal for you to come. He said, I'm not playing. I'm not. <laughs> Jim, a lovely wee guy. He said, I'm not playing football. And I don't think. It was Sheffield Stadium. Yeah. And he says, I'm not playing in the dog track. I said, Oh, come on. We'll get a deal. No, he, he wouldn't come. So that's covered the deal. So I couldn't get rid of either Ward or Archibald for a few weeks. And then the chairman kept on at me. Well, we need to sell a player. So I phoned Billy McNeil back. I said, Billy, you know him. You were the Clyde manager. You know Archibald. And he was a midfield player at that time. Uh-huh. And uh, Billy says, how much you? I said, 25,000. He said, I okay, we'll give you. We'll, we'll, we'll give you it. So Billy signed him for Aberdeen. And we were top of the league. But we still managed to hang on and win the league. Yeah. Time. But uh, then uh, we went into a higher echelon. And it was a full time. The other clubs were full time. And we were really struggling. Mm. And we lost one of our, well, he was a midfield player for Clyde Archibald. Very good. And we lost him and we lost Joe Ward. We transferred him as well to Aston Villa. Right. So one of our two best players. And down, uh, then, we the next season, we in the league above, we went down. And to the, the board's credit, they kept faith with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we restructured got one or two new players, one or two from here. We got Robert Riley from here and we got uh, uh, Billy McCall from here. I, I, I knew Air United because I, I lived down here. Yeah. I got my eyes on them and I signed Joe Filippi from Celtic who was an air player. Mm-hmm. And we won the league at the highest number of points ever, as Riley tells me, yeah. next season. So we got we had a good Newcastle Clyde and 
uh, you know, you're asking for good players. Riley was a good player, but the best player I had, uh, Clyde, was well, the most uh, sought-after player was Nevin, Pat Nevin. Yeah. And uh, he went to Chelsea for 95000 on a tribunal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, but the best signing I made was Jerry McCabe. Uh, right, okay. I sold him for 60000 mm-hmm. Sold Ian Ferguson. Uh, young Ian Ferguson to uh, sold him to St Mirren for sixty thousand, and he went to Rangers for a million. Yeah, one night, one night in a row. <laughs> so, uh, and he was at Aberdeen as a young boy. Mm-hmm. Alec Ferguson let him go. I always wind up. Alec, I always say, "Hey," I said, and, and if if I'm having to let a young player go as a manager, as I did, and it's a heartbreak when you've got a young player and you say to him, "Son, I'm sorry." I don't think you're going to make it. It's uh-huh. a value judgment I'm making. Yeah. For your sake, I'm wrong. And I always give the Alec Ferguson story. I always say, look, Alec Ferguson phoned me and he said, I'm letting go one or two boys. There's one down your area from the Cambus Line, Rutherland. He might do you at Clyde, but he'll not do me at Aberdeen. And I signed Ian Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> I sold him for a million. <laughs> I sold him. Big fan. Simon sold him. To Rangers, yeah, and I sold him for sixty thousand. Now this was a guy that the best manager on the planet, mm-hmm. by a mile, Alec Ferguson, said he'll not do. So I always say to parents, I'm letting your boy go, uh, but I'll tell you a story about Alec Ferguson because he let Ian Ferguson go. Yeah, no relation, of course, but he let Ferguson go, and Ferguson turned out an international player mm-hmm. and a million pound player. Mm-hmm. Nobody's perfect, not even, and, and I'll always say Alec Ferguson, his record, 38 trophies. Yeah. And uh, 13 championships in England. And what was, what was it about Alec Ferguson that just, what did you think, when obviously you, you knew him when he was young, what did you think about him that he would go on and do? Like, what, was, what stood out well, at that age? What I knew about him was determination. Mm-hmm. He was determined and he was a, he was a battler. You know, I played against him, obviously. I played with him in the in the Scotland under eighteen team. And that's why I became friendly with him. Yeah. But I played against him. I remember one game he was playing for Dunfermline, I was playing for Falkirk, and I was booting him. You know, I was I had one attribute and that was uh, uh, how can I put it, Alec said uh, uh, I would say a hard tackler, but he said dirty. <laughs> he says you're the dirtiest. You know, I I, I used to get the tackles in. Mm-hmm. And Alec respected that. I know that, you know, he had, I had a, a few kicks at him and battered him and what have you. And he, 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 he was, he respected you if you stood up to him, mm-hmm. both physically and if you stood up to him, you know, in conversation as well. Because everybody agrees with him. Yeah. No, I didn't always agree. I said, no, that's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> but I would never take him on in a quiz. He's wonderful. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, I, do you think it was? Is that was that his game? Was that? That was game. That was his game. Right? <laughs> and see, obviously, in that experience, was it the shipyards? It was. Jake that kind of enabled him to do it to be his like shop, shop steward. Yeah, Jake that right. enabled him to be like, what he became. I think so. That was he. he, he, he was a staunch socialist and he was mm-hmm. a hard man, and he wouldn't mess him about, and he was determined. But he had a great football knowledge. Mm-hmm. And uh, strong beliefs, strong discipline, mm-hmm. 
uh, you know, people say to me, what is the secret of Alec Ferguson's success? And it's, I never heard the hairdryer. I worked with him with the Scottish team. I suppose we'll come to that later, but, you know, the, I was 10 games with him because he had 10 games manager of Scotland. Yeah. When Jockstein died, he got the job temporarily. Mm. Well, never ever, he never raised his voice once. And we right. were in the World Cup in Mexico. Yeah. But he spoke the way I'm speaking to you conversationally. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, every player listened. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you could see the faces. You know, when you're in the staff, the players are there. They're down there. You, you, I can, you know, the staff are at a table uh-huh. sitting beside the manager. And you're watching. You're not sitting in the audience. You're watching. The, and you could see the players' faces. And if anybody's eyes rolled or, or didn't pay attention, oof, Alec would just put the eye on them. But they all, you could see, you could see them, they all sat in. And a very interesting thing about Alec Ferguson, he liked to do a team meeting in good weather outside. Right. And he would sit, sit in the grass, lads. And he would sit in the grass, and he, he'd take them out of the grass, and he would shoot it. And they would, they would all be sitting there in the sunshine. But they weren't, they made sure there was nothing behind that they could be distracted, you know, there wasn't a game of football behind or a golf or anything like that. They were looking into a tree and he would be sitting there talking to them. And, you know, inspirational stuff, knowledgeable. Brilliant. But they all, they all listened. Brilliant. When did you first hear the, the, about the, the Scotland connections? When was, was it Ernie Walker that spoke to you first? Yeah, well, it was... Uh, Alec Ferguson phoned me. I was at Craigie College. Right, okay. With a class. And when the class finished, the secretary came from the office and says, Mr. Ferguson phoned you. Could you phone him back? And I said, phone him back. At lunch, she said, you had a class. I would get you to phone at lunchtime. I said, I haven't seen it myself. This is McCoy winding me up. (laughs) Saying it's Mr. Ferguson. And when she gave me the number, it was Aberdeen number. Right, okay. It might be all the way to hear this conversation. So I went into the office at uh, Craigie College. And, and I phoned uh, the Aberdeen number, and uh, the second answer is Mr. Ferguson, please. It's Craig Brown. Oh yes, he's expecting you. And I thought it is, it is Alec Ferguson. So come on, wait to hear this conversation, Brown. I said, hello, Alec. How would you like the holiday of a lifetime? <laughs> I said, where are we going? He says Mexico. He says you don't have to take the Scottish team. Jock sadly died. Yeah. And they've asked me to take the team and I'm trying to get my staff put together. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to join the staff. Uh, I said, oh, but I can't, I can't do that. I've got a job. It's in June. And I'm, I'm, I'm working at the college. But the students are about finished about June, are they not? I said, well, I said, ask for a month's unpaid leave of absence and we'll pay you. I said, well, I'll do that. To, I'll, I'm so tempted. It sounds great. Now, I'm only the Clyde manager. Yeah. I'm not managing a big team. I'm the Clyde manager, and he said, <laughs> he said, you know, listen, he said, uh, ask for the unpaid. He said, there's one wee thing, he says, we've got three games to play, but we won't let that interfere with enjoyment. <laughs> he said, I think the results proved to be right, but, but you know, he said, and I said, well, who's, who's all going? He said, I'm, I'm taking the, you know, it's an old pals act for football. I'm taking the pals, I'm taking Walter Smith, yeah. Archie Knox and you if you'll come Brun. so that's the staff and uh, we've to go to altitude training in New Mexico uh-huh. for 10 days before we go to Mexico for the World Cup 
and uh, of course they still they had still a playoff with Norway. They won the playoff by that time. Yeah, it was against Australia. Australia. Aye. So yeah. that was that was my introduction. Was uh, a phone call from that put me into the SFA. Now Alec was offered the Scotland job after the World Cup. Yeah. But he decided to stay with Aberdeen. Right. And while he was in Mexico, this is another exclusive, uh, Tottenham needed a manager and Arsenal needed a manager. Yeah. And both phoned him. And he said, I'll tell you after the World Cup. Well, they didn't want to wait. They were frightened to wait and be let down, I think. A director of Arsenal met a director of Tottenham. And neither... So he came back to Aberdeen after the World mm -hmm. Cup, and then Manchester United weren't doing well. Yeah. October, uh, I think September, they were not doing well at all. And Gordon Strachan apparently recommended him to uh, the chairman at uh, Manchester United. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how he ended up there. Now, he could easily have been at Tottenham mm -hmm. or at Arsenal, but he went back to Aberdeen. So uh, then, obviously, when uh, he didn't take the Scotland job, we came back from Mexico. Uh, Andy Roxburgh got the job. Yeah. And Ernie Walker uh, had been in Mexico mm. and he'd watched the training, and I had been taking some of the training. And, you know, it, it was very enjoyable, I've got to say. Uh, so, Ernie. And Andy, between them, decided that they would give me the assistance job, mm -hmm. offer me it. And I said, no, I, I don't want the assistance job because I've always had a team. Yeah. I, I like my own team. Well, Ernie said to me, we'll give you the under-21 team. Sole charge of that. Oh, I said, that's great. So I really was, they did have me cheap, the SFA then, because <laughs> I was manager of the under-21s. I was assistant manager of the national team. Yeah. Now, in those days, the fixtures matched. You know, the under-21 team played on a Tuesday night and the national team played on a Wednesday. Yeah. So, say you were playing Portugal, you would fly to Portugal on the Monday. The under-21s would play on the Tuesday night. Uh -huh. Same playing. They would wait. They would watch the first team and then fly back together on the charter flight. So, it was perfect. Uh -huh. You couldn't do that now. Yeah. Because the fixtures are separate. They, mm. they don't match each other. So yeah. it suited. But I, I had a brilliant job. I was manager of the under twenty ones, and I was the assistant to the national team. And also as well, you you well the, the under you took the under sixteens to final with the nineteen eighty nine World Championships, wasn't it Saudi Arabia? Just what was that experience like? That, that was good, Scott. Uh, thank you. The, the, I was asked to do with the under twenty one team. I was asked to take the under twenty team, right, and, and the under sixteen team as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when, yeah. they were, uh, when they got to tournaments now, before the before the the under sixteen team got to the final of the World Cup in Scotland, I was in the quarter final of the under twenty World Cup in Chile. Yeah, we took a great a great youth team from Scotland to Chile. And they played really, really well over there. A fantastic tournament, the the World Under-20 Championship. And Scotland, we were beaten by West Germany after the extra time and penalties. Mm. And Bertie Bowles was the manager of the West Germany. We got to the quarter, we won our group, and we got to the quarter-final in, in Chile. Uh, so that was, a, that was two years before the Under-16 team. Mm -hmm. So I had that team. 
in Chile. Then I had the under-16 team here and great assistance uh, from uh, with the under uh, under youth, with the youth team from Ross Matthey. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a man, Kelly, Kelly Stryker. Yeah. Ross Matthey. Uh, and Ross, fantastic coach for the young boys. And uh, I was lucky Ross was there. And we, the World Championship in Scotland, it, was, it took off because the Scottish under-16s were doing really well. Mm-hmm. And again, we won the group and they, we got to the quarter-final, which was at Aberdeen, and we beat East Germany up there. And then the semi-final was at Tynecastle, mm-hmm. which, which was a shutout. It was, there were, people couldn't get in. Uh, it was so popular. And we beat uh, Portugal. Uh, Figo and company, and Portugal team, mm-hmm. with Carlos Queiroz, the manager, who's mm-hmm. assistant to Alicant, Manchester United. Yeah. And then we got to Saudi Arabia in the final at Hampton. Now, we had 27,000 at Tynecastle, and the gates were shut. We had 52,000 at Hampton. So, I mean, it was, you couldn't get a ticket for Hampton uh-huh. for the final of the World Championship. And we were the most unlucky team. I say it myself. Both these tournaments, the under-21 in Chile, were lost in penalties. And we lost this one, the, the final under-16 tournament in penalties. Mm-hmm. We, 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 were, uh, we got a penalty 12 minutes before the end of the normal time. And Brian O'Neill's penalty was missed. Yeah. So we went into extra time. And... Uh, Again, we got a penalty during play. No, but it's the other way around, Big Van. During play, he missed it. And then the penalty shootout, he missed one as well. Two penalties right. Brian missed in the World Cup final. <laughs> I keep winding him up. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, he's a lovely guy and a good player. But, so we lost in penalties. So that was a good experience. You know, one of my f- favourite experiences being in a World Cup final. Brilliant. You qualify for Italia 90, the the main team qualified for Italia 90. What was your memories of qualifying and the memories of that tournament? Italia 90, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to... I'm confused between the Euro 96 and Italia 90. Right. But if, if I, I'll, I'll, I'll group the two together quickly. I'll tell you that in both qualification campaigns for Euro 96, we played 10 games. Mm-hmm. And in 10 games, we lost three goals. Mm-hmm. But, uh, we feel proud of that. Yeah. To qualify for the World Cup in France, again, we played 10 qualifying games and again, we lost three goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's quite remarkable to lose only six goals in 20 qualifying games. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, people say, oh, you were that defensive, you know. And I deny that because I say, look, I never ever put a Scottish team out without two strikers. Yeah. You know, this, this new fashion, uh, you know, it's fashionable now to put one up only. Mm-hmm. Well, we never played with one up. I always had two strikers. And the, the house style we were using was 3-5-2. Mm-hmm. And I copied that from Germany because the most successful team in Europe at the club level and internationally was Germany mm-hmm. in those days. And they, they played 3-5-2. And yeah. We had to play them in the semi-final with the under uh, uh, under twenty-one tournament mm-hmm. quarter-final. Sorry, quarter-final under twenty-one. We played them and I matched them up three-five-two, and I was three-five-two in my head. Yeah. After that, all the time. 
except when you played Holland, for example, because they put three up. Well, you can't play three against the, well, you're daft if you do that, I think. So we had to play a back four when we played Holland. But th that was the house still we used, 3-5-2. And uh, I've got to say that the qualification in both tournaments uh, for the World Cup and for the European Championship, Euro 96 and the World Cup 98, it was a 3-5-2 and we lost very few goals. And we had two good strikers. Yeah. McCoyce and Johnson was one, McCoyce and Gallagher. Mm -hmm. uh, we could dodge it. You know, we had good... Really good strikers. Yeah. And see when Andy, is, Andy Roxford resigns, did you did you think you would get the, the, the Scotland job? Were you surprised when you got it? Yeah, very surprised. I didn't think I'd get the job because, you know, the big names were getting mentioned. The papers were given... Soonis was mentioned. Right. Dakin was mentioned. You know, <laughs> Willie Miller, McLeish now. But I had, I had done well with the youths mm -hmm. and with the under-21s. So it was a wee bit of a surprise. It was a surprise to me, but it wasn't a total shock because I was in the system. Mm -hmm. And they talk about, uh, what is it, succession planning. <laughs> yeah. They talk about in, in clubs, you know, like Liverpool. They, they promoted the assistant, you know, that was their way of doing it. Yeah. I think that's a good way of doing it. Definitely. You, know, you got continuity. Mm -hmm. But but uh, with the SFA, uh, I was, you know, quite successful with the younger teams, mm -hmm. under 21 team, who we were in the semi final in European Championship. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So uh, in a quarter final under 20 in the world, and there's 205 or something countries in the world then, mm -hmm. you know, but even in, in Europe, to be in the semi-final of, of the European Championship, there are now 55 countries in Europe. At that time, I think there were only 38 or yeah. countries, but still to be in the top two mm -hmm. was good, very good. Uh, and uh, the same with under 20 World Cup. So, but, and I wasn't in any way, uh, I was surprised but I wasn't in any way overawed because mm -hmm. I knew the boys, many of them were in the under-21 team, mm -hmm. you know, and, and therefore I knew them and they knew me. And because the under-21 team was relatively successful, they, they respected that. Mm -hmm. And therefore I had, I had no bother. You know, I wouldn't have liked to walk into the international dressing room from Clyde FC mm -hmm. to take, to take the Soonesses and the Strakens and the, you know, the, the big shots, you know, uh, and uh, Willie Miller and Alec McLeish. But it was no problem having had them in the, the under-21 team, mm -hmm. a lot of them in it, and having been the assistant. It was a good transition. It was relatively straightforward. And then, obviously, Euro 96 is your first tournament. See, because that tournament was in England, was there more pressure on you to get there? Massive pressure mm. because he, he mentioned Bernie Walker there. Yeah, he says to me, You know where the tournament is that we're competing for this? I said, Yeah, he said, If we don't get there <laughs> and it's next door, you're sacked. <laughs> Why you're finished? Uh, you were really warned nicely, but yeah. friendly. And then you had to get there. And mm -hmm. The very same with the World Cup in France. Mm -hmm. You can imagine the, the two tournaments I was lucky enough to. Uh, Qualify for mm -hmm. next door. Yeah. Now, if they hadn't been next door, uh, 
it wouldn't have been so bad. Mm-hmm. You know, if the World Cup was in Mexico again or Brazil or somewhere, it wouldn't have been so bad at all. Mm-hmm. But because they're next door in the Tottenham is champing at the bit to get there. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to qualify. <laughs> I was told anyway. Uh, and it, it, it was a fair uh, it was a fair challenge, I can tell you. But it, we battled away quite well and we had a very, very good group of players. Yeah. When I look now at the group of players Steve Clark's got, uh, I've got to say, I think, you know, if Steve's put his best team out and we put our best team out, I think we would have better players. Yeah. And usually in a game of football, the better players win, the mm-hmm. best players win the game. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and I was really, really lucky because I had midfield provision, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the back three were unbelievable. Calderwood, Henry and Boyd. Mm-hmm. And the two best goalkeepers in the business at the time, Leighton and Gorham. I mean, he just... Uh, and then, of course, we had strikers that would score a goal. Mm-hmm. Because we, we had McCoy and Johnson when I, at the beginning. And then I took McCoy to Euro 96 and then, and then I condemned myself. Do you, still regret, do, you, do you still regret that decision? Yeah. Oh, not taking him to the World Cup. Of course mm-hmm. I do. I regret it. He hadn't played a lot that season. He mm-hmm. went to Kilmarnock and he had an injury. And I thought, if I take Ali McCoy, it's an old Pulse act. Right. And, and I didn't want to put him in that position. And I didn't want to put myself in that either. That, uh, you know, one or two of the journalists are quite scurrilous. And they would have had a real go. Why is he taking McCoy? He's only played, I think, 11 games. He's hardly scored a goal. But I left McCoy and Stuart McCall, two really good guys and very good players, out of the World Cup squad for, mm-hmm. for France. Two years after, they had both played very well. And the Euros. Europe. Mm-hmm. Now, that's, that's my admission and my regret that I didn't uh, take these guys, uh, particularly... McCoy, even if McCoy's not playing, he can still come <laughs> off the bench. I, I, and he's in the he's in the group. He's in the dressing room. Mm-hmm, you know, exactly. He's, he's great value, uh, whatever he is. And I always, you know, I always got on well with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could. That, that was a good one when we played one of the qualification games, and after the game, uh, he was he was another one. He's just a. He says to John Collins, it was a wee bit similar to my previous story at Rangers, he says to Collins, hi John, that's no bad today, you know, we're Latvia or somewhere, he says, big crowd for Latvia, I know that was 18,000, <laughs> and that's why we John says, no, how do you know, he says, I was counting my coins waiting, you passing it to me, the same as that becomes the standard, yeah. but, but uh, McCoy's always had Equip, mm-hmm. great in the dressing room, mm-hmm. humour in the in the camp, and of course it used to give me stick. You know, pick a team you couldn't pick your nose, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but but nicely, you know, there was yeah. no insubordination. There was respect, but it was good humour. Yeah. In nineteen ninety eight, obviously, you opened the tournament against Brazil. Just what was that like memory like of that opening game? It must have been. Well, up there. I think I think that would be the probably the most memorable uh, time in my football career mm-hmm. when the hype for the opening game against the the world champions mm-hmm. wasn't it just against any team. Mm-hmm. The world champions Brazil, 
and the hype was unbelievable. And the ticket scramble was <laughs> the same. You just couldn't get a ticket for it. Uh, and prior to that, when we were going to France, I'll give you a quick McCoy story. And it's, I don't want to program it. We had to play, we were asked to play France in a friendly. Right. And France hadn't to qualify the mm -hmm. host country. Yeah. So they had to qualify. So they're looking for an easy friendly. Mm -hmm. So they phoned Scotland. <laughs> and and uh, Jim Farry, I think, uh, Jim Farry says to me, uh, would you like to play France? I said, they're a good team. He says, yeah, but that's good. I said, well, I'll tell you what, if they'll play us in one of the venues that they're using for the World Cup, mm -hmm. we'll play them. He says, that's a good idea. So if they'll play us, now we were playing, we had the, the draw for the World Cup put us to uh, the host country, uh, the, the, sorry, the world champions, Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, they put us to uh, Bordeaux to mm -hmm. play in Norway, and they put us to St. Etienne. Yeah, in Morocco. So he says, if they'll play in one of them, I said, aye, right. So we, we got a game in St. Etienne against uh, France, friendly. Mm -hmm. So now I didn't know at that time they were going to win the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I knew they were a good team. They hadn't to qualify, but they. So we didn't know their form too much, but when you look at their players, uh -huh. so I looked at their team, and we're playing them, and I thought, oh. so I'm doing the team meeting, I remember this, and I said, I'll tell you what, guys, and there's a guy from Ayrshire, of course, I said, Burley, your uh -huh. job, your job is number 10. If number 10 of France crosses that halfway lane in possession of the ball, and you don't whack him, you'll be sitting on the bench, you'll be getting hooked. And he's like that. I said, his name is Zidane. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> and Burnley, because I knew the other, I knew the team, the players, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. So Burnley nodded the heat, right? Well, McCoy's a substitute in that game at St. Etienne. And uh, five minutes play, right in front of the bench, Zidane gets the ball. And then comes Burnley. Whack. I mean, what? A, it wasn't a, a, just a tackle, it was an assault. Oh, and he went up there. You could hear him squealing. <laughs> and down he went. And I thought, oh, no. We're going to lose a player. Well, the wee referee was, I think, Spanish, but he had good English. And he, he's calling Burley over. He's saying to Burley, number eight, come here. Number eight. And Burley's standing like that. He says, you were a bit late. Burley's that polite. If he come up, you know, I got as early as I could. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he says, your name? He says, Craig Burley. And the wee referee's writing it down, and I says, well, wait a minute. And to our amaze, amazement, he put a yellow card. Right. And McCoy sees this, and McCoy shouts on, Burley, hey, Burley. And Burley looks over, and he says, one more tackle like that, pal, you'll be joining your teeth in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that was the first laugh. The, we were one down at halftime. We, did, we were doing quite well. This is against the future world champions. Yeah. The second half starts, and I say to McCoist, get warmed up, Coisty. And he's like that. Ah. And, you know, only McCoist could get away with this. No other player, anybody else, it would be and so it would be cheek. When I say get warmed up, he says, no, a fourth time. <laughs> <laughs> so he's warming up. And while he's warming up, Gordon Jury scored the best goal I've seen Scotland score. Right. And, and, and I'm taking Jury off. You see, so, so uh, Goody, he hits it. It's a brilliant move, and right in the top of the postage stamp, the net. 
So I says, quite safe, we'll leave it just now. He <laughs> looked <laughs> just on the seat, we'll leave it just now. And he said, he's shaking his head, he says, Jury, he says, one goal in six years. <laughs> he says, prolific and prolific, he says. <laughs> and, but, you know, McCoy's can say that with a smile. Yeah. So he sat down, anyway. Uh, we put them on shortly, a wee while later. And, uh, but when a guy has scored, I always feel when he scored, the next time he shoots, the goal's twice his size. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't going to take a guy off that's just scored. Yeah. Because he's, he's, he's in a high. Same as if you've scored with a penalty. The next penalty, the goal's bigger. You, you, you feel you can't miss it. Anyway, uh, but McCoy says that bit of humour about him and no, no acrimony, you know, he, he had me in his chat show, he had a good show, McCoy. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, he asked me to come on, I said, I'm not coming on. He says, why not? I said, you're taking the mickey. Said, I'll make you a star, he says. I said, so he will. But anyway, there were three guests. I'm digressing here a wee bit. Stop me if I'm going to. The three guests were Leslie Grantham. I didn't know him, but he was East Enders. And, and I says, who's the other one? And he says, Kylie Minogue. And he says, you behave yourself. You look. She's, she's for me. I said, well, that's, that's okay. He said, well, Kylie's a star. We'll do Leslie Grantham first, then you, then Kylie. And you get 15 minutes each, right? Uh-huh. And we're in, we're, it's filmed in the Pavilion Theatre. And uh, we call you out the audience and you come up. So he interviews uh, big Leslie Grantham, who's an art uh, team that he supported. He was very good. Uh, West Ham. Right. And it, and it was good. Then he starts, he talks about me. He says, now, my next guest is uh, my manager, uh, my friend. You know, and he gave me a, a big build-up. And, and he says, can we welcome Mr. Craig Brown? I have to walk down and up on the stage. Uh-huh. So I go up on the stage, and he's standing to shake my hand like that, and I put my foot up on the stage, and he says, no, 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 no. You keep me sitting on the bench long enough. Just get back to the seat. <laughs> Well, of course, oh, sorry. and he brought out Kylie, right? Now, Kylie would all come out, and it was all smiley, smiley stuff. Well, I had to get 15 minutes. She had to get 15 minutes. Well, she got 22 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and I got the last seven minutes, you know. But uh, that's that's my choice. You, couldn't even, you could never be annoyed. Yeah. Uh, so, wait, wait. That was... The, the preparation was a game. Mm-hmm. One of the... The preparatory games was in the, in St Etienne, and we lost two one to the eventual world champions. Yeah, and I thought, we're, we're we're quite a good team here, and we went to America. To once we qualified out the group, uh, we went to America for preparatory games again. We played well, uh, and so we were reasonably confident coming over to the World Cup. But the ticket scramble was incredible for the mm-hmm. first game. Uh, at, against Brazil, he couldn't he couldn't get a ticket, and it was well when the prime minister flies into Tony Blair, yeah, is it him? You know, I'm trying to think who was the Scottish first minister. Uh, was it him? Was it Donald? 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 He came to see us training it to, before we left. You know, to wish us all the best. Mm-hmm. I think it was Donald. You know. He came anyway, either 96 or 98, he came, <laughs> Donald Dewar. But that when when you realise when the First Minister's coming and mm-hmm. the Prime Minister flies in to Paris 
to come in the security to come to the hotel to meet the players. And to be fair to Tony Blair, he knew every player. Mm-hmm. And, and he said he was a Newcastle fan. And, and Kevin Gallagher was playing for Newcastle at that time. And so they had a good conversation. Uh, but sorry, Scott, I'm dying. I got away, carried away. See the see the, that campaign, obviously. A really good performance against Brazil. And just obviously it was a, a, a sore goal to lose. The Norway game, obviously, Craig Buller gets sent off. Did you did you feel hard done by these? Didn't they win that game? It was the last game. That was the last one to get sent off. That was Morocco. Oh, Morocco, yeah, sorry. We, we, we drew the game. Burley scored. Burley mm-hmm. scored. That's right, sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling Burley. It's not fair, but that's that's what they call him. They don't call him Craig. <laughs> they call him Burley. Right? The players. Uh, you know, Craig uh, Burley scored a good goal. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I used to always say the best pass in the game is between the opposing left back and the, and the left centre back because most centre backs usually they've got a four four two and the two centre halves are right footed. Mm-hmm. Not all that common to have a left footed centre back. Terry mm-hmm. Butcher was one; he was an exception. So if the boys, if the centre back uh, on the left side is is uh, right footed, he's weak in the left side, mm-hmm. and every left back's left footed usually, so he's weak in the inside. So if you put a ball in between these two, they're, they're defending with a wrong leg, mm-hmm. their weaker leg. So the most intelligent player, obviously, in, in the group, dare I say it, uh, not just because he got a degree in America, was David Weir. Mm-hmm. David, big Davy's a clever boy. Yeah. Um, and the team talk, I'm saying now, and in, in training and in practice, we'll try and make the final pass. McAllister was good at it. Collins was good. Putting the final pass in between the left back and the left centre back. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, David Weir clocked it. And the pass he put through there was brilliant. Yeah. And Burley ran in that space. And I can't remember, I think Bornaby and Henningberg, they, they were defending with the wrong leg. Yeah. And he went through and lobbed the goalie, which the credit I give for that goal is to David Weir mm-hmm. because of the intelligent pass he gave. And Burley finished it very, very well. So oh, yeah. we drew that game. And then the last game was Morocco. Mm-hmm. What did you think? What did you think of Morocco though before that game? Were you were you confident you could get a result, or did you? No, go there by good team. Were you I went to Casablanca to see them. Right. Went, you know, months before when, when the draw was made, uh, I went over there to watch them. And you see, that's there's thirty six million in Morocco mm-hmm. population, mm-hmm. and they were they were the African champions. Yeah. Now, I mean, they weren't a mob team. <laughs> they weren't a, a pub team. <laughs> and you know, I went over there in the height, and when I saw them, I said, we have a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Now, the press didn't think that. Mm-hmm. They didn't really know. I mean, when you say Morocco, you don't think of Morocco as a football country. Yeah. You think, oh, it's hot over there. But if it had been Nigeria, maybe, or Ghana even, you know, or South Africa, there would have been more respect. Mm-hmm. Morocco were better than them. Mm-hmm. And there's some very, very good players. Yeah, Basia was the one that always stuck, stuck out to me. That's right. So mm-hmm. we, we, we had to play them. And, uh, you know, their other results were very good. Yeah. As well in the tournament. And the, the, a lot of nonsense was spoken about that game. You know, what, the word that annoyed me was that uh, one or two journalists' humiliation. We lost 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. But humiliation. Now, if you look at the stats... Honestly, you know, you can get the FIFA official stats. I've got yeah. them. Mm-hmm. We've got more possession. 
We've got more goal attempts. We've got more corner kicks. We've got more of everything. We've got mm. more order off because Burnley, Craig Burnley Gordon, <laughs> we've won sent off. And we were losing one nothing, and Burnley got sent off. And uh, I went, we had to try and do something. Uh, I can't remember the change I made, but I think Jackie McNamara won. Mm-hmm. Go at them. And of course, we exposed ourselves at the back. Mm-hmm. And Jim Layton had 91 caps for, for Scotland. And he lost. He had they had 45 clean sheets. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. 91 cap. Now, Jim's only mistake that I can ever recall him making, maybe, maybe, was a mistake. The second goal. Yeah. And I found it and it dropped over his. Now, so we lost, we were chasing the game and we lost two goals late in the second half. And then it was humiliation. Now, if you watched the game, <laughs> We were actually the better team, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not just saying that to, to make an excuse, because the stats all now the stats are not the stats that count are the goals, mm-hmm. and they scored they scored the two good goals and a soft goal, so uh, we lost that unfortunately, and that was also eliminated. But I've, I've got to say something to you, Scott, about the World Cup. I've been at I've been at three World Cups with Scotland, yeah, Ferguson to Mexico. I went to Andy Rocks to Italy mm-hmm. and I had the team myself. So I've got three World Cups and in every World Cup, our best player called off injured. Now, people do People say, oh, who was that? I said, well, when we were going to, Alec Ferguson took the team to Mexico, Kenny Dalglish got injured, mm-hmm. couldn't go. Mm-hmm. When we were going to uh, Italy in the World Cup, Andy's favourite player at the time was Davy Cooper. Mm-hmm. Davy Cooper got injured, mm-hmm. couldn't go. John Robertson of Hearts was scoring goals for fun, mm-hmm. got injured, couldn't go. So these two were eliminated. And when I was, when I get the job and we're going to France in the World Cup, McAllister, McAllister, McAllister got injured. So mm-hmm. we lost a, a, a top player, arguably the best player mm-hmm. for each World Cup. Now, I'm convinced that if we went to Mexico with Alec Ferguson, if Ken Dublish had been there, we would have we we drew that last game against Uruguay, nothing each. Mm-hmm. Any would have turned, transformed that game for us. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, and I'm sure that if Gary McAllister had been able to play in France, we wouldn't have lost that last game. But we did, and we could possibly have qualified. But that's that's the, the old excuses. <laughs> After that, obviously, I just want to touch on something a bit different. Obviously, your brother Jock was the Celtic general manager job at the time. What was that? What was that like for you? Was that did that kind of were you kind of pleased for Jock, or did you realise he was going into a, a kind of major job like that? Well, it was a surprise for a start. <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't for a minute think that, but I think some Celtic either shareholder or director knew Jock in the legal world. Mm-hmm. And thought he would be an athlete. I, I would have thought myself. He, had, he was tailor made because his interest in football, it was commentary. Uh, it would have been an ideal job for him. And I think it was. I think mm-hmm. he was happy. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he liked it at, at Celtic. And I, I can't remember what happened at the end. <laughs> he, you know, he, he got on very well with uh, Fergus McCann. He and Fergus. Uh, but when Fergus left, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember the got left uh, shortly after that. I'm not sure. I think Fergus left in '99, yeah. Uh, 
I'm not I'm not sure Doc's exact timing there, but yeah. you know, and, and he he really liked uh, Tommy Burns. Uh, he was in the staff, or maybe, but and he liked Ben Gloss, mm-hmm. the manager. I think there was a week clash. I don't think it was so uh, comfortable when it was uh, who's the other Damian Anson. I don't think that was so comfortable, but you know, I was too busy to be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't I couldn't be bothered. I wasn't caring what was happening at Celtic mm-hmm. or at Raiders or any of the I it's a very not only was I Scotland manager, I was also technical director. Mm-hmm. Now therefore I was organizing courses for coaches. Mm-hmm. kids and we had a community scheme and luckily we had a very good guy running this community scheme but I was overall in charge now with things like legal cases if a kid broke a leg and a course you know I was called upon it and how much training did the coach have before he took this you know all this kind of stuff it was when it was an international it was a holiday time mm-hmm. you know, relaxation I got away with the team it was brilliant the rest of the time, I, mean, I was in every morning nine, and I didn't leave in a normal day till at least five or six at night. Mm-hmm. But usually it was a game I was going to at night. Mm-hmm. So, and I left my house in Ayrshire at uh, early in the morning to be in at nine because the staff are in at nine. Now, if I was a manager only, I wouldn't have been needing to do that. I mm-hmm. would have been able to you know, take my time and go to a game in England and but I was the technical director and the manager, so it was a demanding shift. <laughs> Definitely. Euro 2000 as well, uh, you get to the playoff against England and you won at the old Wembley. Just what was the mem- What's the memories of that, those two games? Well, they're, they're, they're vivid in my, my memory because there was so much happening. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that the, the, the Scottish Football League were reluctant to cooperate the week before we played England at right. in the first leg. Mm-hmm. I wanted them to postpone the fixtures, mm-hmm. at least one fixture, mm-hmm. and that was Celtic versus Rangers. Right. Now, uh, because that's that means half of your team is going to be happy and half is going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Or if, if it's a draw, your bank can be in a draw. That's what I'm hoping for a draw, so there's no player with a head down. Mm-hmm. But in that game, George Albert uh, accidentally, I've got to say, smashed to... Lambert's team. Lambert. Mm-hmm. Now, Lambert broke his jaw, I think, in that game. Yeah. Now, Lambert would have been the player. Lambert was... His job was... He was a brilliant uh, man-marker. Mm-hmm. And that was his job in Germany. Mm-hmm. And that would have been his job for us. He'd have been marking schools. Schools scored two goals. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, that would not have happened... You know, this is uh, hypothetical. Mm-hmm. That would not have happened if uh, Lambert was playing. playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, been the, I asked, but I wasn't powerful enough, you know, as a manager. Or, or I, I asked the league, would they postpone that game? Because we had quite a lot of players from both sides. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, there's hardly any. Mm-hmm. I, was at, I was at Celtic Rangers game recently. Uh, oh, a game, I think Rangers won the game well, a few months ago. They won 2 nothing, And I looked at, I think Celtic had two players eligible for Scotland and Rangers had one or something. Mm-hmm. Now, when Rangers had their great result in Europe there uh, recently, mm-hmm. 
they had only one player. One Ryan, player. Ryan Jack. No, he wasn't fit. He wasn't playing. Right, okay. In the away game, he wasn't playing. The only one player was the goalkeeper. McGregor. Who was uh, Oh McLaughlin, uh, sorry, but he has he has uh, decided against playing for Scotland. Mm-hmm. He's retired from international football. So the, the the best team in Scotland just now played a European tie away from home and that was a wonderful performance and a great result. And Ryan Jack wasn't playing; he was injured, and uh, not one of the players was eligible for Scotland. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw the Old Firm game, and I think Celtic had two. They had McGregor and uh, starting the game, and and the boy Welsh at the back mm-hmm. because Christie was injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, Griffiths wasn't in the team, and Rangers again. I think they had two in that game. So if you look at an old firm game now, and you're trying to get a Scottish team, mm-hmm. you're struggling. Mm-hmm. So I feel sorry for Stevie Clark in that regard. Mm-hmm. He deserves a better uh, response from the old firm because they're bringing so many foreign players in. And it, and it holds back the young boys. For example, Aberdeen have got McCrory from Rangers. Mm-hmm. And they've got him because the boy was frustrated. He wasn't getting a game. And I think Stephen Gerrard, to be fair, Stephen Gerrard felt, uh, well, if he was the boy, he would want a game. So mm-hmm. let him go to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's full of, you know, they're full of foreign players. And see... The obviously the one in at Wembley, there was the last it was the last time he's played at the old Wembley. Was it just an amazing feeling? Just to obviously he didn't get through, but was it just an amazing feeling to win that game? Yes, well, like you asked me about that game, I'm sorry for the first, the, the first, the first leg. Uh, we managed to uh, we didn't get to the full team, I felt, because of the injury, but mm-hmm. we, we were beaten. And the best bit of journalism you've ever heard was a guy who did me in. Very nicely, but it, I hated it. But it, wait, wait to hear this. We were staying at Troon, mm-hmm. in the Marine Troon. Yeah. And and the, the, the guy called Pete Barraclough from Sky, right. we, we lost 2 nothing at home. And I think we're a bit unfortunate, to be fair. And uh, I wasn't too downhearted. I'm saying, we've been doing the Wembley here. And if we get our act together. Anyway, he came to interview me the day after the game. On Sunday, and he arrives and he says, We come outside and we'll do it outside at the golf course. I says, No, I'm not allowed to do that. No, why not? Why not? Or something different. I says, No, I'm not going out. He said, Oh, I'd like you to come outside. I said, No. He said, I said, I've got to do it as an advertising board. The sponsors' names are behind me, mm-hmm. and my instructions are if you're doing any camera stuff, sit in front of that board and you'll see all this. Oh, he was quite miffed. So I did the interview in front of the sponsor board. And at night, I looked at the... At his, and he started outside. This was brilliant journalism. He mm-hmm. started. Now, we've just uh, been to the Scotland camp and we've interviewed one or two players and the manager, and then we'll just go over and we'll have a word with Craig Brown. So he's talking to me outside at the main hotel. And he ends up by saying, and Craig, I've got to warn you, if you don't win this game on Wednesday at Wembley, it will be the end of the road for Craig. And the camera went from his face down to the name of the street. The marina tells on Craig End Road. That's why, <laughs> he, that's why he wanted me out. 
Mm-hmm. They come to the win. But we didn't need a defensive player at Wembley. We need to score. Mm-hmm. So I changed it and I put an attacking left back against Beckham this time, and it was Callum Davidson. Mm-hmm. And David and it ended up Beckham was marking Davidson. Mm-hmm. I said, just you get off that pitch, and in front of him was Neil McCann. Mm-hmm. So we were we were good, but the best player on the pitch uh, was the youngest player on the pitch at Wembley when we won one nothing, and it was Barry Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Now they had instant goals. Ferguson was so much better yeah. than these guys. So I've got all the length at that game because it's a favourite game of mine to beat England at Wembley. <laughs> and the luck I had was Tommy Burns telling me to put Hutchison up front and me luckily putting Callum Davison at left back. And then obviously you, you, you got another camp, you get the other World Cup campaign in 2002. Were you pl- was was were you planning on that being your last campaign, or was that if, how? What was your kind of thoughts at that point after Euro two thousand? Were you planning on leaving at the end of that campaign, regardless if you qualified? No, I, I wasn't planning on leaving, but if I, I knew, I felt ashamed if we weren't going to qualify. Mm-hmm. If I'd known that we weren't going to qualify for another twenty odd years, <laughs> I might have not felt the same. You know, but yeah. Scotland's used to qualifying. If I don't qualify here. It's a disgrace. Now, mm-hmm. nobody's telling me that. Uh, and, and when I, I told the staff uh, before we played the game against Latvia that I'm going to finish after this, and they were quite, well, particularly Archie Knox was my colleague, and Archie said, yeah, You're daft, you're daft. I said, I'll sack me anyway. No, 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 sack you, you know. Now, but I felt I, there's a shelf life, and that was eight years. Uh, I had been with the national team and the scrutiny with the national team is incredible you know the, the press scrutiny so I thought I'll go and I was getting a bit older there <laughs> anyway I wasn't as young as I was so uh, I, I decided to go after that towards the end of the campaign I think I'll be honest if we've been going to qualify for sure obviously you want to stay on and see how it goes but uh, you know, it was a near miss again because we were so uh, close to qualifying in mm-hmm. that one. I mean, and it was the, the game against Belgium. We were yeah. up 2 nothing at home. And then we were right through. Barry Ferguson was right through to make it three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a one-on-one with the keeper. And the keeper did a great save. Mm-hmm. But then, and they were down to 10 men and they equalised, which was, that cost us uh, the home game. It, that, it was a two-each draw at Hamden now. Against a good team, Belgium, mm-hmm. ground emptied in silence. You know, Hamden, I've never known silence this depressed. I mean, you thought you'd lost the game, mm-hmm. but it felt like a defeat. And and I was saying, oh no, I think in fairness, I should get somebody else. And when the SFA appointed Bertie Volts, I thought it was an inspired appointment. Yeah, I wasn't asked. They they did their homework themselves, but when you think about it. He just he'd won the Euros with Germany, didn't he? He'd won the Euros. He'd won the World Cup as a player. Yeah. He won the Euros. He won the Euros as a manager. Mm-hmm. He had some. He'd some CV. So that's uh, disappointing for from our point of view not mm-hmm. to do better uh, in that final tournament that I had. And then obviously you go to Preston, and how did you feel about getting back into club football? Well, I, I thought I was completely finished with football. Mm-hmm. I was retired, and I was at a dinner in Glasgow. Uh, I was talking at some event 
And after the, uh, I spoke, this guy spoke to me and he said, are you finished with football, Craig? I said, well, it looks like, you know, I'm, I'm the technical director of the SFA. I'm still working mm-hmm. as a technical director. I said, you know, like a club management job. I said, oh, that would be nice, depending on the club. He says, my name's Tony Scholes. I'm the chief executive of Preston North End. Mm-hmm. We're, we're the, looking for a manager. And would you be interested? I said, well, that appealed to me. You know, it's not too far away and it's a, a lovely club as it was. Mm-hmm. And I, I agreed, he phoned me a day or two later and I agreed down and meet, he was the chief executive, meet the chairman, Derek Shaw and him, and I met them both. And I was very impressed with Preston mm-hmm. and rightly so because it's a smashing, a wonderful mm-hmm. football club. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they offered me the job. And I was delighted to go, and I went down to Preston, and and quite coincidentally, the two best players are now working in Scotland with Motherwell, mm-hmm. and uh, Graham Alexander uh, was the right back, and the captain and the centre back, centre half was uh, Chris Locchetti, mm-hmm. who's the assistant manager of Motherwell now. Mm-hmm. They are wonderful guys, super guys. Uh, Lucchetti was captain of Preston and what a colossus he was as a player. He was David Moy's most expensive signing mm-hmm. and he held the Preston team together. So, you know, my, my job at Preston uh, was to just, well, David had gone to Everton and I went into Preston. So I thoroughly enjoyed it, I must admit. It was a good, it was, was, what was your kind of favourite memories for your two years there? Well, I, I had only, I think, I had one full season. I had part of it. No, no, I had two. That's right. I had two. Uh, um, a lot of good memories at Preston. Mm-hmm. You know, we were. David had left and uh, they sold. After he left, they sold the captain. Uh, and, and then Marchetti became the captain. They sold Sean Gregan to West Bromwich, which was a big blow. Right. And David, David had gone to Everton. Now they were middle of the league. David had done well in the past a couple of years before he'd been in the playoff final, I think. Mm-hmm. They, didn't get, they didn't get in the Premier League with David, but he'd done very well at Preston. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I took them, and my job was to kind of stabilise, which we did. Uh, but then I had a wee, <laughs> how can I put it? I'll never fall out of MD in football, but I had a bit of a disagreement because we. We actually, I think one season, and, and I read as a, one of the players wrote a book, he said, we lost only four home games in the whole season. And, and we, were, we were a good, solid team. And I was looking at the pressing team, and if they were in the Premier League in Scotland, they'd be right up at the top. That was the, the, what I felt, the calibre of the team they had. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had signed, with one major signing, I signed them from Hearts, called, uh, uh, what do you call the big striker. Fuller, Fuller. Fuller, Ricardo Fuller. Ricardo Fuller. Uh, I signed Fuller, and he was a, a sensation down there. Mm-hmm. It was, and we were playing the start of the third season. I was there. We were, we'd actually started quite well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were playing, uh, this was the fourth game, I think. And we were playing Sheffield United at home. And it was a holiday, the September holiday, and... Uh, we t- the training grounds about two, three miles from the stadium. So I got to the stadium for my lunch. <laughs> and the chairman's there, he says, well, what's your team? What's your team, uh, Mr. Manager? 
And I said, I told him the team, he says, no, no, Fuller's not playing. I says, yes, he is. I said, we just practiced this morning with him. He says, he's not playing. I says, I've picked the team and he's in the team. He says, no. I said, wait a minute, what's the story? He says, we're selling them, do you know? I said, you never even told me. He says, do you not know? I said, how am I supposed to know if you don't tell me? He says, well, you can't play him because if he gets injured, we lose the big deal. He's going to Harry Redknapp. Harry's signing him. Harry was the manager of Portsmouth mm-hmm. in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And I said, behind my back, he says, oh, I knew you wouldn't mind. I said, I wouldn't mind. Because the crowd love him. He's the best player. And he's, he scores for fun. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, this, that was the, the, the conversation. I said, you might have told me. He says, what have you got reserves for? I said, they're not at his level. If you told me and said, whatever you're getting for him, a percentage of the fee to get a strike, I'd have got a striker in. Mm-hmm. So that was the final straw. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fuller got sold, really, without the manager's approval. So I just said, I don't fancy working here. Now, I, 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 I just, there was nothing wrong with the club. There was, uh, they weren't sacking me. Mm-hmm. I just said I'm not going to continue uh, because you can't do a thing like that to the manager. Mm-hmm, definitely. See, obviously as well, after you left pressing, you gave your pal Willie Davis a help at Derby as a consultant. Did you did you did you get a lot of pride in that? Like talking to like well, talking to your old players about kind of jobs yeah. they had taken in management? Absolutely. Well, like, well, I brought Billy down to Preston. Mm-hmm. You know, when I took over, when, when I took over at the end of the season, Moisey had left to go to Everton and they gave Callum O'Hanlon, who was the assistant. Yeah, goalkeeper, former goalkeeper of Ireland, and they gave him uh, the job, the, the assistant's job. Mm-hmm. But he'd, he'd been temporary manager, and when I got the job down there, he was my assistant. They asked me, Would I take him? I said, Yeah. But uh, he was not uh, an outfield coach as such, he mm-hmm. was a goalie coach. And then I thought, I said to the chairman, Look, can we look at that? I know a guy in Scotland who was a very good coach, absolutely outstanding. He says, hey, well, if you want to bring him, bring him. So I brought down Billy so, uh, to Preston. Uh-huh. And Billy, Billy's an excellent football coach. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he did well. Now, when I left Preston, uh, I said uh, to Billy, don't you leave. I've brought you down, your family down, you bought a new house. And everything. Because I'm going, don't you go. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually went in and said to them I was going. And, and but Billy, I said, you stay. He says, no, if you're going, I said, stay, Billy, please. You'll, you'll embarrass me if you leave. Mm-hmm. So the, the chairman says to me, well, we'll make a new manager. I said, you've got one here. Who? I'm not. He didn't want Billy. I said, come on. So it turned out that uh, Billy took the team for the next few games. The team was good. Mm-hmm. But Billy took them that season. That team we had, Took them to the playoff final, mm-hmm. and uh, Billy, I think, went on five five victories right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we knew it was like uh, they had a good a good team, and uh, so therefore they had no they had to give them the job. They had no option, mm-hmm. and they got the job. They did so well that then Derby County came, mm-hmm. and uh, his contract was, was up at. And he went to Derby and he, he took me as I had the best job in football. This is wait here, this title. You know, they now call him director of football. But I was football consultant. Mm-hmm. 
and that was a great job. And uh, I was really director of football, but I was at the training every day, and mm -hmm. I just uh, it was a smashing relationship. Billy was the football manager; I was a football consultant, mm -hmm. and uh, I would be involved in the whole operation at uh, at uh, Derby County, which is another very good club. I think he got a role time there, Billy, didn't he? Aye, he did. Mm -hmm. He was he was harshly dealt. She, he, we won the playoff match. Mm -hmm. West Bromwich to get into the Premier League. Mm -hmm. and the chairman was in tears. Mm -hmm. uh, and a very wealthy man. And he said, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I said, well, can you not believe, Mr Chairman? He says, 52 million guaranteed. Now, that was then. Now, that mm -hmm. 52 million is now 170 million mm -hmm. to get into the Premier so get any striker you want, get any players you want, but we were too late. We were the last team in the Premier League, so to get recruitment was difficult. Mm -hmm. But to get a striker, we, we needed. We took two. We took the Scotland international cycle and the Welsh international cycle. We took, we took Robbie. Earnshaw. Earnshaw, and we took Kenny Miller mm -hmm. to Derby. But uh, yeah, when it wasn't going too well, Billy's confrontational. Billy was. Right. Billy would challenge the chairman, hey, you know, why are we not getting this and why are we not getting that? I said, Billy, cool the beans, you know. <laughs> it wasn't so much the chairman, it was the chief executive, he didn't get on me. So they, they, they sacked Billy, well, because Billy brought me, when Billy got sacked, I left. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm going, I'm not staying. And the chairman sent me, I want you to stay, Craig, I said, I'm not staying. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a lovely man, the chairman, Peter Gatsby. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I didn't stay because it would have been disloyal to Billy. Mm -hmm. uh, he would drop me. So I, and I, that's me finished again. I finished, <laughs> I finished the school. I'm, I'm retired. <laughs> so I'm at Preston and Billy's away. So I'm away. So I'm finished completely with football. And then obviously you, you, you get pulled back in the model. When, when, when did you first hear of that interest? Well, you're, you're, I, I've got to say something to you, Scott. Your research has been. I'm sorry that you had to do so much research. <laughs> you can hear me. I just talk, talk, talk. You could have just put on the put on the microphone and said, "On you go," <laughs> uh, without you having to research it. But I, I want to compliment you, and I've done many a podcast, but the, the research you've done has been uh, outstanding. Thanks very much. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, so I came back up to Scotland, mm -hmm. and I thought uh, that was me finished. But. Uh, uh, no, a bigger part. There was a job in between. <laughs> right. I was at Fulham. Yeah, I was at Fulham uh, because the the assistant manager at Fulham uh, knew me, and he recommended me to uh, Chris Coleman. Mm -hmm. Stevie Keane was the assistant manager. Yeah, right. Okay. And Billy, and, and Billy McKinley mm -hmm. was the, the reserve team manager at Fulham. So I went down there. I was international representative. In other words, I had responsibility to recruit internationally. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time in France and Italy and America. We got three players from America over to, they did well for Fulham. Fulham yeah. at that time were always in the top half of the, mm -hmm. this Coleman had Fulham in the top half of the Premier League. So again, when he <laughs> when he got the sack, I left with him again and I came back to Scotland. So I had two, I had Derby and Fulham after uh, after Preston in England, mm. and they're all good football clubs. So I ended up back in Scotland, and I was happily retired. And I'm, I'm living in uh, Presswick, happily retired. And I got a call from Bill Dickey, 
who was the vice chairman of the chairman of the SFA, and he was the vice chairman at Mother. Mm-hmm. And he said they was lost the manager. Could you take the job for hold the fort for a wee while? Mm-hmm. They told me to get a new appointment. I said, well, I'm at my age. And, you know, he says, no, no, you're, you're all right. You're, you're, you'll do fine. And he says, uh, I'm, t- I'm trying to remember uh, who it was that they had. Uh, Jim Gannon. Jim Gannon. Yeah. And uh, Jim Gannon had gone, had, had a bad run. And Mullow had, I think, had lost five in a row or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Jim had alienated the senior players, apparently. You know, he'd get rid of all the, the senior boys. Uh, uh, Lasleys and the Hamels and the Craigans and these guys were not, it was going to have a young team. Mm-hmm. They had some good young players. So they asked if I would t- take the Motherwell job and Jim Cannon's, he has taken his staff with him. So there was an opportunity for me to recall Archie Knox. Mm-hmm. I said, I phoned Archie and he said, I'm walking the dog. <laughs> I'd rather walk the training ground. I said, right, I'll get in. So we went to Motherwell temporarily just to hold the floor for a wee while. And uh, our job was to keep them in the league. Mm-hmm. It lost, but they were they were comfortable and they had a very good team, a really good team at Morrow. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went there and we did well. We feel anyway. We, we got them into Europe and, and we got them to the playoff in Europe, mm-hmm. which was which was good going for a team like Morrow. Mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And you mentioned Archie Knox there as well. Obviously, Alex Ferguson and Walter Smith, anytime they're asked about Archie Knox, they rave about just how good a coach he was. Just how good was he? Hey, Archie, very good. Aye. On the training ground, excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, he, uh, well, I don't think he worked as long with Alex Ferguson if you're not capable. You know, mm-hmm. Archie's very, very good uh, training of football players. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about that. Yeah. And, uh, it's a much colleague to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's loyal. He's hardworking. You don't, you know. I've been very lucky. You know, I had with the Scottish team. I had Alec Miller, mm-hmm. who was the first, and then I had, and he was coaching at Liverpool. He was coaching Gerard and, mm-hmm. and these guys and Michael Owen and uh, Liverpool. And th- then Benitez was the manager, and Benitez said to him, "You can't. When it's an international weekend, you can't go away. We've got young boys here. We need you to stay." So I had to get, well, Alex said he had to retire. He was my assistant with Scotland. And mm-hmm. I, I never call him assistant. I call him colleague. Mm-hmm. I, hate, I hate the assistant. So I had to get a new colleague. So Archie was the one I decided to ask. And Archie came as my colleague with Scotland. Mm-hmm. But you see, Alec Miller, he was dealing with the Gerrards and the Carrickers and the Michael Owens. And... Uh, you know, they were young boys at the time. They weren't in the Liverpool first team at that time. Mm-hmm. So he brought them through and did very well. And he rated Rafa Benitez as a very good manager at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I, I, I get an authority to bring Archie to Motherwell. And uh, I think I think we've done, we did pretty well at Motherwell, if you don't mind me saying that. You know, uh, if you look at the Motherwell manager managerial records, I think the best record of any Motherwell manager is uh, David Hay. Mm-hmm. But they were in the league below mm-hmm. in David. No, I think the next best in the Premier League was ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because not only did we get them from losing all these games, we got them into Europe 
and got them to the playoff in Europe. And then, of course, that maybe attracted Aberdeen. Yeah, so that was a, it was an interesting it was an interesting one Aberdeen because you were working through a contract at Motherwell at the time and you changed your mind. You first of all refused the Aberdeen job. Just talk you through that whole process of how, how you can <laughs> turn, how, how it turned around. Well, well, at Motherwell, I didn't sign a contract at Motherwell. Right, I asked okay. us to help out. Mm-hmm. So if I'd signed a contract at Motherwell, I'd never left Motherwell. Right. Because I don't break, I don't break a contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't uh, sign the contract because the the it said I was not in charge of the youth. The, the, the youth coach had fallen out with the previous manager and got a, a watertight contract. He was in sole charge of everything from the under-20 team down. Mm-hmm. So if I wanted an under-20 player, say, for a cup tie, I could have been overruled by the youth coach yeah. according to his contract. I know mm-hmm. he wouldn't have done it, but because I knew him... And, He's, he's a smashing youth coach, Gordon Young. He's now assistant manager at Cove Rangers. Mm-hmm. Now, Gordon, Gordon was a youth coach. Because of that contract, we, when we were doing well at Motherwell, we were then offered a contract. <laughs> we, went, we just went to help them out till they found a manager. But then we got offered a contract. Now, the contract uh, was, the money wasn't an issue at all. Mm-hmm. We never looked at the money. I mean, I mean that. We looked at the job spec, and the job spec, you're in charge of all football matters from under 20 up. So under 20 down is the sole responsibility of Gordon Young. Mm-hmm. So I said, could you change that? And we'll, we'll sign it. And uh, well, it was Leanne Dempster, who was the chief executive. She never got back to me. No. So we just kept working away. And, and, we, and, and we kept doing very well. We went up to Aberdeen, beat them 3 nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was embarrassingly easy at Aberdeen. And, uh, you know, and of course, one of the Aberdeen directors says to me, am I right and you're not in contract? I said, no, I'm not in contract. But it's a smashing club this morning and I'm enjoying it. You know, next thing I get a call from Aberdeen. <laughs> so I immediately said, we have a far better team than Aberdeen. We're not, I'm not going up there. But then when I told Archie, and then I like Ferguson for him, you're daft. You know, Aberdeen's a great club. You know, I think he'd been, I think maybe Stuart Mill had phoned him and said, phone Craig. <laughs> I changed my mind. And, and there was nothing about, there was no increase in money or anything. It wasn't any more money than Motherwell. Mm-hmm. It was just that the potential at Aberdeen was greater. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our job was, when we went to Aberdeen, they were bottom of the league, right at the bottom. I mean, they played 16 games and had 10 points. Mm-hmm. And they were right. And, and they'd lost 9 nothing to mm-hmm. Celtic. Yeah. 5 nothing to Hearts. I mean, that, that was the team we inherited. <laughs> and the job was keep them, keep them up. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then you, you do really well there as well. Which was, was it just, did you just feel as if after that would be your last job? Like that was, you were definitely retiring after that? Yeah, well, I think so at my age. <laughs> <laughs> I think I should have retired maybe a bit long before it. But uh, yeah, I thought this is, uh, uh, I'm old enough now. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'll tell you what, in the training ground up at Aberdeen in a winter's morning, if you've got a sore knee, or as Archie had a bit of arthritis in his hip, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it can be really icy up there. So mm-hmm. we decided we would say we would finish up. And uh, at the end of the season, so uh, I had a 
meeting with Stuart Milne, whom I, I liked and respected, a good manager, mm-hmm. a good chairman. Uh, and I said to him, well, Archie and I are thinking at the end of the season, well, you don't need to go yet. Well, no, I think we, we do need to go. And he, he, then he said, well, would you stay in another capacity? I said, if you wish. So I was very uh, flattered that he asked me to stay as a director. Mm-hmm. And would you be involved in the recruitment of a manager? I said, yes. So I was involved in the recruitment process uh, and I stayed as a director mm-hmm. after that. And I got to hasten to I'm no longer a director because uh, there's a new regime. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and how much do you still like? Do you still tune in every game you can? Do you still love the game? Yes, I still. I, well, I was asked to do the job of the club ambassador at Aberdeen, mm-hmm. which necessitated me being at every game. Mm-hmm. Or, or, well, it was a, a privilege to be at every game, <laughs> that, uh, home and away. So I go. As if you know the, the, the new owner got rid of four directors, and right. I was one of them. Mm-hmm. But he asked me to stay as the club ambassador, which really is a nice role for someone of my vintage that I keep in contact with any supporter in hospital. Or sadly, if there's a funeral, or, you know, I would go and have a look at uh, the youth team, mm-hmm. uh, and I've uh, now got a ladies team as well up there, but, and then I've got a. Uh, midnight league and a disabled group, you know, and I'm patron of Scottish disability sport. Yeah. So, so I go and I, and I watch the disabled football as well. So, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice, it's a very flattering job to have to be the club ambassador, and they're mm. very good to me. Brilliant. Uh, so, uh, the new regime, uh, well, there will have to be another new manager coming. Uh, I'm sorry to say, because I hate to see uh, managers losing their job. Yeah. And then, obviously, we'll we do this round called Quick Fire Questions, where I just ask you some quick questions. You all right with me asking them? Uh, we should have been doing Quick Fire Questions. <laughs> I speak. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm happy to do Quick Fire as best I can. The best player you've ever managed in your career? Well, if, if I could, if you could, could assistant managers, it would be Kenny Dalglish. Right, okay. He had just one or two caps left to get, I think he's got 102. Uh, and Andy Rocks was the manager. And uh, Kenny, I'll give you a, a, a quick smile about Kenny when he passed the ball to me in the training. And he knocked the ball to me and I flicked it up and I miscontrolled it. I said, Give me it again, Kenny. I'll get it. I'll get it back again. I'll get the. He says, You can't get back what you never ever had. <laughs> <laughs> so. But he's got a great one-liner, great one with the one-liners, Kenny. A lovely guy and uh, the most outstanding Scottish player. Alec Ferguson's opinion is that Dennis Law is the best ever Scottish player. Right. But maybe that's because he was Manchester United and Kenny was Liverpool. <laughs> but I think Kenny is the best player, definitely, that's been in the dressing room when I've been in the staff. Brilliant. The best player you've ever seen live? Well, it's a choice-up between uh, Maradona and uh, I think I would go for Ronaldo. No, not, not the Manchester United Ronaldo, the other Ronaldo, the big striker Ronaldo, yeah. the Brazilian striker. I think he's the best player I've seen live. And, you know, Bobby Robson had him at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And I phoned Bobby when we were playing Brazil. How do we stop him? He says, you don't. He says, <laughs> I've had the best strikers in the business, and he's by far 
better than anybody. That World Cup, that World Cup, he was unbelievable, wasn't he? Aye, oh, aye. So I think he's the best I've seen in the flesh. Brilliant. Favorite away ground you've ever been at? <laughs> I like the old fashioned grounds, to be honest. I love, I, I honestly, I, I love Air United's ground as a small ground. But you know, if you're talking about a, a real uh, away ground, I mean, I think the Maracanã and uh, Rio. Brilliant. I was over there. We weren't playing them, and I was doing commentary. Right. I was working for the BBC in the World Club Championship in uh-huh. Manchester United were there, and they played games at the Maracanã. It was fantastic. I like the San Siro. Uh, it's good. And Glasgow's Glasgow's good. Three good stadia. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Celtic Parks are fantastic. Uh, Ibrox is the same, and the Hamden. So I mean, we we needn't be embarrassed at all. And down in England, you know, Preston's a nice stadium, mm-hmm. and and for atmosphere, Aston Villa. Not at all. Good sitting last all day. A youth player, obviously, you spent a bit of time in the youth with the youth teams. A youth player you thought would make it that just didn't for whatever reason. Oh, you th- that didn't make it. That didn't make it. It was playing in the, the youth teams that you took to the oh, final yeah. and the semi-final. So, can I, that team, did you think, would go on and would do really well that just didn't? Well, there was a, 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 a young guy, Lindsay, John Lindsay, from, uh, in the under-16 team. I thought he would be a midfield player. I thought he would have made it. He didn't. Uh, you've caught me out with, with that question. Uh, the other, you know, I thought Booth and Jess were two brilliant under 21. Now they did make it. Mm-hmm. Jess was a high high sale from Aberdeen, and Scott Booth uh, did very well also. Mm-hmm. But they were, they might have, I think they even might have been better, but they were good. Uh, uh, the, the under 21 team that I had, had uh, well, Phil O'Donnell was in it. And, Alec Ray, the midfield was very good, mm-hmm. and of course uh, Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> he was a he was a terrier, you know, a warrior rather in uh, the under twenty one team. You know, you see the under twenty one opponents would look at him and say, "Oh no, <laughs> look at this guy." He didn't score goals for Scotland. I don't think he scored for Scotland first team. You know, they didn't give him enough caps, maybe, but he didn't score. But he scored. He was a a warrior in the under twenty one team. Mm-hmm. Duncan. Brilliant. Brilliant. Favourite film? Well, you know, I, I, I'm a football guy, so I shot at Glory. With, Brilliant. With, with, with Robert Duval with McCoyst in it. And it didn't make it big time in the in the cinemas, but uh, <laughs> I really loved that because I knew most of the guys in it. Yeah, it was Airdrie guys, wasn't it? Aye, it, was, it was terrific. And John McVeigh was the manager, uh, uh, along with Robert Duval. Terrific. Brilliant. McCoyst was the staff. Sure. Your best friend in football? Well, I think, uh, you know, there are a few. I think I think Archie Knox more recently, became, I actually lived with Archie in England because he was coaching at Bolton and I was at Preston. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we went together to Motherwell and to with Scotland, Motherwell and Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Way back, Willie McLean, uh, I'm still very friendly with him, so... You know, William McLean, I would say, uh, I think I've got to also, I'm, you know, I'm friendly with quite a few guys, uh, particularly in Ayrshire, Ross Matthew, um, Frank Poulston, uh, Jim McSherry, these guys. 
But if you to say Knox is probably, I call him Knox. <laughs> it's probably my closest ally, uh, William McLean and Knox. Brilliant. Final question, best moment in football? I think when I, I, I saw the Scottish team uh, line up for the anthem in the Parc de Prince in the opening game of the World Cup, that moment was the proudest moment because I looked along at the team and I used to say to them, I was a, a bit of a stickler for being smart. Every jersey's tucked in. The stockings are turned over the same. And that's the way they had to be. And every player singing the anthem. You know, and if some of these anglers were to teach them the anthem, you know, <laughs> or I would teach the under 21 boys. So I was very proud to, to look along that line and see, uh, you know, your, um, your hair was standing and ending. And then, of course, if you add to that, when Collins slotted the penalty yeah. against Brazil, that was a, a, another. These two moments were uh, pretty emotional for me. But, but I'm not an emotional guy, to be honest. <laughs> but I was emotional when I saw when I looked at the team, the Scotland team. I would not say my team, I just said the national team, the mm. Scottish team, mm. our team. I was really proud. Brilliant. Craig, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Scott. I think Thank there was you. a bit of verbose there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. I'ma just do me, you just do you I swear it's gonna get better real soon Don't let anyone tell you what you should do I got a clear view We're gonna make it soon Just keep pushing through